Today's sponsor is Stamps.com. Avoid trips to the post office. Use Stamps.com to buy and print official U.S. postage right from your computer. Go to Stamps.com today and sign up for a special offer. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in decode. Today is also sponsored by Casper. Get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash recode and using the promo code recode. Terms and conditions apply. Recode Radio presents Recode Decode, hosted by Kara Swisher, powered by digital media. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, executive editor of Recode. You may know me as the world's foremost collector of pink fuzzy mustaches, but in my spare time, I talk tech. And you're listening to Recode Decode, a podcast about Silicon Valley's key players, big ideas, and how they're changing the world we live in. Today in the red chair, we have John Zimmer, the president of ride-sharing company Lyft. Like its main competitor, Uber, Lyft is trying to change how we think about transportation and car ownership and upending the entire taxi industry. Welcome, John. Thanks for having me. How you doing? Good. Good. I have a little bit of a cold today, so I apologize for sounding horrible. So there's a lot of things going on at Lyft suddenly. You guys had sort of been the second to Uber for a long time, but just recently you've had a spate of news. So why don't we go over that first and talk about what it means. First of all, you raised how much? Uh, recently, a billion dollars. A billion dollars. Okay, you put your hand next to your mouth when you say that. And that's from a bunch of different investors. And you also did a bunch of partnerships. So talk about each of them. The first one with GM. Sure. So uh, as part of the billion-dollar fundraise, we announced a $500 million investment from General Motors. Right. And along with that, two pieces to the partnership. So first, uh, more in the near term, we're rolling out rental hubs across the United States. Mm-hmm. And these rental hubs, the idea is that Obviously, we have last year we had over 300,000 active drivers on the platform, and actually 20% of those, almost 20% of those that applied, weren't qualified because of the car year or car size. Uh, and so, by having these rental hubs, we're giving more access to vehicles at lower cost to more people. So, this is part of the deal itself, the 500 million dollars. Yeah, there's a strategic uh, partnership along with right. along with the investment. Okay. And the the second piece is a partnership around autonomous vehicles. All right. Uh, and so, so a little further out, a little bit further out. Mm-hmm. And so we have, uh, for the first time, partnered with uh, any you know ride sharing company with mm-hmm. a car manufacturer, uh, which uh, to us are the, the necessary ingredients to actually uh, delivering autonomous vehicles in the near term. And what is your role in that? In the in the delivering, you're not you're not making a car right now. So no, we don't we don't think it's a good thing for our type of business to be building. And you cars. can't do it either, by the way. It's hard. Like yeah, there are manufacturers yeah. that you know Magna is a company that mm-hmm. actually. Uh, builds cars on spec for right. companies. Mm-hmm. But uh, we think, you know, obviously General Motors, the world's largest manufacturer in the United <laughs> States of, of automobiles, is an ideal partner. Uh, our role is that we believe, like General Motors, that autonomous vehicles will not start as something you can buy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we think they will be started on, deployed on a network. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you'll like open a up, taxi system that they'll just be rented essentially, or that there'll be a network of drivers. I think you'll you'll sign up for Lyft and, and purchase a number of miles, just like you purchase an amount of minutes on your cell phone. Mm-hmm. You'll have a thousand mile plan, a ten thousand mile plan, or an unlimited mm-hmm. uh, mile plan, and then you'll access that vehicle or those set of vehicles uh, through the Lyft platform. And does that mean you don't own cars from your perspective? Individuals? Yes. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So that's GM is seeing the future and saying we better get in on this essentially. Yeah, and, and I think General Motors is in an interesting position financially because a lot of their revenue comes from SUVs and trucks, mm-hmm. and a lot of this new uh, autonomous future is going to happen first in cities, uh, so they see that as, as large upside for them. So I want to go into how you decided to do this with them and how it came together, because it's a lot of money, and um, 
that they're doing, and it's a big bet for them. How did it happen? Talk a little bit about that. Sure. So we've been talking. It happened pretty quickly, uh, and I'd say really quickly for a large company like General Motors. Uh, I think they've seen how fast our industry has changed. Lyft is just three years old. Right. And so they had already had internal beliefs around the future of transportation. Uh, and when we met about three months ago, we found out, to our surprise, on, on our side, we were very surprised that the belief in the future was very similar, that mm. you know, autonomous was an important part of the future, that it would uh, start on a network, and that uh, car ownership as we know it will change. And it doesn't make sense. The, the kind of promise of car ownership from the past, of freedom, of open roads, of you know, all that you know, access to that vehicle whenever you want it, wherever you want to go, the reality has, has been more of a burden mm-hmm. uh, in, in past years with traffic, with parking, right. uh, with maintenance. And so uh, I think that's one of the big reasons uh, Lyft has grown so quickly, and they see that future. So you're not making software for this, for autonomous cars, correct? Not commenting on, on what pieces oh, we we're are. building, but, right. but there are elements of but it. But you that, have a reservation system. That's the, the heart of what you do. The key of what we've announced is, is that you know, the network is the way we believe and they believe cars will be delivered. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's more for us to, to do on the autonomous piece, but that's all we've talked about. Oh, you're making software then. No? He's smiling at me. He's got this big old smile on his face. But in that way, you run right into Google and Apple and, other, and Tesla, all these other companies that are working on that. Um, how difficult is that in area, given all the people rushing into the space? Sure. So I think there's been a lot of talk about mm-hmm. autonomous, about the future of well, trans- Google has an actual car. I've been in it. So sure. I mean, not sure. just a semi-autonomous cars that they outfit old Lexuses, essentially, but the little little clown car. And it works rather nicely. Yeah. The, the point I was about to make was that there's never been a car company that has produced last year close to 10 million or 10 million cars mm-hmm. and a ride-sharing company that has the network working together. To me, those right. are the most important elements. Right. Uh, there's software in between that is extremely difficult and important to build. Mm-hmm. Uh, but without the network and without the ability to quickly deploy those vehicles, uh, you can't actually realize the full promise. So talk to me about how you came together with GM. You said quickly. What happened? Where were you? Were you looking at cars or what? How did you meet up with Mary Barra or whoever else you dealt with there? So Dan Amon, their president, yes. uh, came to our office, I think about three months ago. And we just started talking about our visions. It was more of an introductory meeting. And just three months ago? About three months ago. Wow. And then we, uh, I was speaking at the LA Auto Show mm-hmm. uh, about the, the, the end of car ownership. Mm-hmm. Um, Which they've loved, right? I haven't asked them for specific comments, right. although, in fact... Lean over and kiss your ass goodbye. Go ahead. That's <laughs> so after sweet. after giving that, that keynote, we actually had a meeting with them with a larger part of their executive team mm-hmm. in one of the you know conference rooms. And you know we, we again found that actually we weren't that far off in our belief around around the trends in car ownership. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they believe that in, in more suburban areas that it will it'll persist for, for a longer period of time. But they agree with us in urban areas that the idea of car ownership is changing and changing quickly. And they want to be part of our leadership on that. So did uh, they say, here's a check, or did you ask for one? I let them know we were currently fundraising mm-hmm. and that we, too, believe that uh, being able to produce uh, millions of vehicles or hundreds of thousands of vehicles in the, in the next few years that have different capabilities are going to be important. Uh, and in order for us to, to be you know, correctly aligned, we think that an investment uh, is an important part right. of, of building a partnership. So they, in doing this, had you talked to other car companies? Or is this, did this one come together so quickly? Uh, we've talked to other car companies. Other car companies. Do you feel like you need to align yourself with one or all of them? Or do you feel like one is the better idea? I think we have found that our values and uh, belief about the future is extremely aligned with General Motors. Why General uh, Motors? I mean, 
because they also see right. that this uh, well, changing Ford does car too. I mean, to be fair, <clears throat> I mean, I think uh, Ford CEO uh, Mark Fields was literally everywhere at CES talking about this. He almost put on a show, like, and then served the drinks. I felt like he it was ubiquitous there. Yeah, I mean, so we've had conversations with multiple others, mm-hmm. and uh, the strategy will evolve over the next few years. Um, but right now, this partnership, this investment, uh, we're the best next step for Lyft. So what are you doing with your $1 billion? And congratulations on doing it before this obvious market downturn right now. It's probably good timing for you to have this money all sewed up. Yeah, so I think what we've seen for a while and uh, what more and more people are seeing is the, the size of this uh, opportunity. Mm-hmm. So every year in the United States, over $2 trillion is spent on car ownership. Yeah. It's $2.15 trillion spent on car ownership. And that's changing really quickly. When you believe that that's going to, as we do, completely evolve away from car ownership and to transportation as a service, mm-hmm. uh, we want to invest in, in gaining market share, in growing the market, in increasing the number of use cases that people use this service for, uh, because the future value of that market opportunity is so large. And so we're going to use this money to increase our uh, acquisition of drivers and passengers and and continue to build out the products necessary to capitalize on each use case. And by use case, I mean, you, you brought up at the beginning, mm-hmm. taxis. Right. Logan and I, my co-founder, we never set out to build a better taxi. We set out to create a full alternative to car ownership. Right. Uh, the first time you use Lyft, it might be an alternative to a taxi. You're going out having a few drinks and you don't want to drink and drive. Mm-hmm. The second time, you might be running late for work and you don't want to look for parking. Then you try Lyft line and at you know half the price or 30% off of Lyft. And I never do those. I hate them. All you, of them. You got Well, let's talk about People that. People talk to me. I don't like you it. You don't but like we'll just, talking to No, you? I do not. Should I, I, I like, talking? No, no, that's fine. In okay. a car. In okay. a car when I feel like doing my crossword puzzles. Anyway, okay. moving on from my mania. Yeah. So the... Uh, People start using you know, Lyft line because of the cost being lower, and then they, they t- add more and more use cases, the commute, the doctor's appointment. And you, know, you see, we now have users in San Francisco and New York where we have Lyft line using Lyft uh, 80 to 100 times a month where they've completely replaced car ownership. So that's, uh, that takes a lot of work in terms of building the product and, and, and the new drivers and new So right passengers. now you're just in the U.S., correct? Correct. Correct. And how many cities? 190. So when is the international expansion happening? You've seen Uber sort of spend money out the yin-yang yeah. doing that, um, especially in China. What? Uh, how do you look at that market? Now, we're going to talk a little bit next about um, your partnerships with others. Yeah. But do you expect Lyft to expand internationally or merge with one of the international players? I expect us to expand. I think that we've specifically taken a step in Asia that we think is the right, most thoughtful, strategic decision, Mm -hmm. uh, which is partnering with the largest players. Mm -hmm. So China specifically, Didi, uh, has 80-plus percent market share in that market. We also know in China regulations are extremely uh, critical part of Mm -hmm. the equation in that we believe, in the end, a Chinese player uh, will be uh, the dominant player in China because the type of information you're going to have uh, is national security level information in terms of uh, mapping and and where people are traveling. Uh, And so for us, for our users, uh, partnering with Didi is is the most logical step. Well, uh, we were going to talk about that more because I want to know, I want to understand that partnership more if it's more than just, hey, we're partners and what does that mean? But first, a word from our sponsor. Getting your mail and shipping done can seem like a no-win situation. Going to the post office takes up valuable time. And leasing a postage meter is expensive with multi-year commitments and hidden fees. Plus, for me, I have to talk to people. Luckily, I have a better way. Stamps.com. You can buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter or package right from your desk using your own computer and printer and even get special postage discounts you can't find at the post office. 
Right now, sign up for Stamps.com and use my promo code DECODE for this special offer. A four-week trial plus a $110 bonus offer, including postage and a digital scale. Don't wait. Go to Stamps.com. Before you do anything else, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in DECODE. That's Stamps.com. Enter DECODE. We're here with John Zimmer of Lyft, and we're talking about their billion-dollar funding, their big deal with GM, who's been a big investor in this funding, and uh, also their expansion that they're going to take and do with this money. So you're doing this partnership with Didi and... Didi in Ola. China, China, Ola in India, right. and Grab Taxi So in all of them, Asia. essentially. Is there another one we're leaving out? In Asia, these are the yeah, dominant players. exactly. What is this partnership? Because sometimes, you know, it can be just a press release. Hey, we all hate Uber kind of thing. It, it feels a little like that. Explain to me why it's not. Convince me that it's not. Sure. So so first, you know, we think about our, our users. And so our, our consumers, our users, our passengers, they're often traveling whether it's in the United States, we want to provide the best coverage. And then sometimes they travel internationally. And so when you land... And you in, don't have an international offering, correct? Currently, until, until these right. partnerships. And so when you land in China, there is you know, one player that has uh, the majority market share Didi. that we think is going to be around for a really long time in that market. And being able to, this quarter, provide someone who lands in China with the best coverage, still using the Lyft app, Okay, not so having you to create an get account. there, you yeah. arrive in Beijing, what happens? You arrive in Beijing, you land, uh, you open the Lyft app, same account, same credit card, everything, and through uh, two APIs communicating with each other, we're able to get you in a car that's the DD car, uh, but it's served through the Lyft app, and, and all that data you know, is retained, uh, so you don't, you're not passing it to a new company. And what is your arrangement with them then? What are they? So the the arrangement is around this this product partnership of the right. two APIs working together, and then there's you know a, a contract that, that I can't sharing, get into details a financially of. sharing yeah. a part of it. And do they get the same rights here for passengers coming here? That's right. There? So they can pull up their DD app here, and, and a Lyft will arrive for right. Them. And so there's this interchange or this uh, global roaming between these uh, four partners mm-hmm. uh, that provides a fantastic user experience. So wh- how did that come up together? What did you? In three minutes, what happened? Yeah, so uh, one of our investors introduced us to uh, one of the investors at Didi, uh, who then connected us to their CEO, Chung Wei. Yep, uh, I had a lovely coffee with him. And then He's a Jean, tough fella. Yeah, and then Jean Liu, uh, who, who is also fantastic. And this one, I think, similarly, three months seems to be our, our, mm-hmm. our timeline for, for strategic partnerships. I think in about three months, maybe three to six months, you know, we built trust between between each other. Uh, we were sharing, you know, ideas on strategy, on product, our learnings from LiftLine, uh, their learnings from. And from they do some different things there. Like at Didi, they do buses, buses. they do uh, drop off and pick up of your car services and things. Yeah, like they're that. doing, um, you know, car sales. Right. Where you can do a, a commuting, test ride. a lot of commuting stuff. Yeah. Are you going to bring some of those ideas here? The commuting one seems particularly interesting. Yeah, I mean, actually, if you remember back before Lyft, we we started a company called Zimride and. Mm-hmm. That was really our roots of, of getting people to commute together or share a long-distance carpool down to, to L.A. Or, or Tahoe together. And so, yeah, we'll absolutely How did you, they be lose your name that. on the thing, on Zimride? It could have been... It actually did not come from my name. Logan oh, named it before we knew each other Wow! Uh, after he took a trip to Zimbabwe. How, how did you get Lyft with a Y? Just the only thing you could buy? I don't even know that story. So we had an intern... Uh, I call him like the the Justin Bieber of Lyft because uh, okay. he was discovered on YouTube right. by Lyft. Okay, uh, and he made an ad about Zimride when he was uh, at school in Wisconsin uh, that we thought was fantastic and, and funny. And we called him up, and he said, well, "I'm so sorry. Am I in trouble? Did I infringe mm-hmm. on trademarkers?" And he said, "No, we love it. We'd love you to come here this summer." 
and during that summer we had the concept for Lyft. He came up with the the idea for the the name. Wow. Uh, and at first it was L I F T. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. He's on the product design Did team. Did you think now. up the mustache? That was me. So you can blame me for that. Yeah, I am going to blame you for yeah. that. But that's okay. Yeah. Um, so all of this activity is, you know, a lot of people were writing Lyft off a little bit. Like, Uber, they cannot stop the juggernaut of Uber. That they're always going to be this sad little number two. But you've done an enormous amount of deals lately. What, is everything you do in reaction to Uber? How do you look at that company? No, I think I think we've matured. because it's like all it's this global alliance of what are they called the Avengers against <laughs> Ultron? I don't know. I mean, that's a pretty good comparison, I guess. Yeah, I think uh, you know we've matured a lot as uh, you know leaders at the company and as team members at the company, and we're really focused on ourselves. We actually it actually you know invigorates us and fuels us and motivates us when when people doubt us. I mean, that's how we started. Right. People doubted that we could get personal vehicles on the road. Right when we started, Uber's doing black cars. Right. We said we're going to do this with personal vehicles. Uh, and people said, no way, you know, no way you're going to mm-hmm. be able to do that legally, uh, or scale that, do that in, in a safe manner. Uh, we did it. So the, the kind of history of the company is being doubted uh, and, and then uh, achieving things beyond what people expected. So one of the reasons for doubt is the, the image Uber has is so tough as a kind way of saying. And I think, you know, and I think a lot of people feel that you're nicer. The contrast between your headquarters is fascinating. You have these pink things coming down from the ceilings, these soft things. It feels like you could fall into them. It, um, it feels like I'm in Smurfland or something at your headquarters. <laughs> and then you go to Uber and it feels like the global villain headquarters from the Bond movie. You know, you feel like you're going to be standing there and suddenly the floor is going to open and you're going to be eaten by sharks yeah. um, when, you know, Travis Kalanick pushes a button. So it's a very different, you know, it's black leather. It's the, One of their rooms is called the war room. I can't imagine you having a war room. You probably have a kombucha room. <laughs> so that's why people, I think, feel that way about it. How do you look at that? Competition? Do you have to be that tough? Because you're fighting the same battles, really. Well, I think we are aggressive, we are tough, and, and we are, as you've seen, moving very quickly in the right ways and being strategic and thoughtful, right? So, yeah, we, we all think that autonomous vehicles are part of the future. Well, we have the best partner to do that, and we've been thoughtful about that. Yeah, we think that the Asian markets are important, and we have the best strategy for that. We are who we are. We have our set of values, and, and part of our set of values are treating people well. I think that's an advantage. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, once you have the same scale, so you have the same pickup times, uh, once you have similar prices, uh, then it's about the quality of service. And the quality of service is dependent on how the drivers are treating passengers and the passengers are treating drivers. Mm-hmm. And uh, we set the tone for that for our community. Uh, I think a great example of this working really well is Starbucks. Howard Schultz is a personal mentor and, mm-hmm. and someone that, that we look up to. And he's built a phenomenal brand with the values of, of treating people well. Uh, and that's what we're doing at Lyft. Do you think the aggression is a problem? Because you're together in a lot of ways with Uber in the regulatory arena. You know, they got in a fight with France. They got in a fight, they got in a fight with everybody. But I remember we, had a, we were at a dinner and you were talking about how 80% of cars are not in use at any one time because a single person isn't it and there's five seats. And it was such a different tonality. The tonality was rather drastic. And it was, it's, I'm not saying hippie, but it was more like do good for the planet kind of personality. And I, I think when you walked away, I think Dick Coslow said, Travis is going to eat him, like that kind of thing. Like he was worried about whether you have enough aggression. Do you think that's necessary? And what do you think of Uber's aggression? I mean, I think we're proving that our style is working really well. We're gaining mm-hmm. share in the United States. We're, you know, in the last approximately a year, we've raised $2 billion. I, right. I, I think most people would look uh, at that and say it's working quite well. How do you catch up in revenues and, and mind share, though? So, I mean, 
we've been around for half the amount of time. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, at the same point in history, I I believe our valuation is higher, uh, our scale is higher, and we're gaining shares, so we're growing more quickly than them. And so this is... Uh, I used to run the mile, so I often compare mm-hmm. it to like four laps. So, you know, we're, we're in lap one or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a, a four lap race. And we have, as demonstrated with large announcements recently, whether it's the Asian partnerships or the GM partnership or the fundraise, uh, we are putting the right pieces in place to win the race. What do you think of the aggression that they did exhibit? Do you have any thoughts when you see it? I think they're, you know, being true to their, who they are. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we like having competition. We're enjoying the the competition and uh, I think it's making us both better. And there's room for two players. There are many two-player markets in that regard. Yeah, so in this case, we, we see this as a supply-side uh, network effect where once you hit the, the three-minute ETA uh, scale, that then it's about brand and experience. Uh, but in order to get up to that three-minute ETA, there is a certain scale of technology and capital that is needed to get there. Best example, you know, maybe being AT&T and Verizon where you have three bars of coverage mm-hmm. kind of is the table stakes to play. And then in our case, I think there's more of an opportunity to differentiate on brand and experience. Uh, and, and my background's in hospitality. Right. So I think about it, you know, if you, if you walk out of, uh, say, say you need to stay in the center of Los Angeles and there's a hotel three minute walk away from where your meeting is on both sides. So that's the three minute pickup time. And then right. uh, the price is the same. Which hotel are you going to stay in? It's going to be around the service and the experience, right. uh, and that's what we're we're continuing to so invest what, in. So, how would you describe that for Lyft? If you, I could easily describe Uber, how would you describe Lyft? What is nice or anchor uh, or what? No, I think one of our values is be yourself, and so we want drivers to be themselves. We want passengers to be themselves, but there's also uh, a value that's uplifting others, and so that could be simple. That could be playing a simple song that could be saying hi that could be smiling Uh, or it could be uh, to the point we've had because of these values that we've communicated we've had people that have you know a driver heard that the passenger hadn't eaten lunch that day because they were so busy and they found them you know uh, a minute later like coming into the office saying hey here's a sandwich and and giving them something or someone that was having a rough day pulled over and spoke to another uh, it was a female passenger female driver for an hour, hour and a half, and we received a letter from that woman's best friend saying that that driver had made a big difference in that person's life. Those are, you know, when you're doing millions and millions of rides every day, uh, you have an opportunity to do more than just the transaction of A to B, and, and that's important to us. So nice guys can finish first? We believe so. I don't know. Donald Trump, Ted Cruz, we'll see. First, a word from our sponsor. We're going to talk about the future and where it's going and other players like Google and Apple and others. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price. A Casper mattress is one of a kind. It's obsessively engineered at a shockingly fair price. It has just the right sink, the right bounce. Two technologies, latex foam and memory foam, come together for better nights and brighter days. And there's a risk-free trial and return policy. Try sleeping on a Casper for 100 days with free delivery and painless returns. These mattresses are made in America. It's $500 for a twin-size mattress and $950 for a king-size mattress. Get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash recode and using the promo code recode. That's casper.com slash recode and use the promo code recode. Terms and conditions apply. Have you bought a Casper mattress? I have not. You bought a mattress in a box? It's an interesting area. It's suddenly gotten super... I got a Kitsa, which came in a box. Yeah, it's fascinating. The whole area is fascinating. So we're talking about where things are going in this ride-sharing space. Do you call yourself a ride-sharing company anymore? 
Like we think of ourselves as a, a transportation company. Tran- that's what everyone's saying. It was, it was kind of a big deal. At C- what did you think of all the action at CES around cars? It was sort of the big topic. Yeah, I think we felt for a very long time, I think back almost 10 years ago, that transportation needs to evolve. Yeah. Uh, and my personal inspiration was a city planning class I took. And so if you look, at, right, you if you look at our cities, they were built for cars. The roads, the placement of, of, mm-hmm. of buildings, of different real estate mixes is, yeah, is, is pretty much because of cars. And what if, just like products you develop, you, you design cities for people instead? Right. Uh, we think you could do that uh, in a really different way. And that starts by changing transportation. And, and that's, that's a vision we've had for a while. So it doesn't surprise me that uh, there's more and more interest. It's, it's the largest consumer electronics uh, industry that no one ever talked about right. until the last The original years. mobile device. They have all these new lines, these car makers. It's kind of interesting. <laughs> um, do you imagine the car makers are going to be, I mean, you're affiliated with a car maker now, but you know, they've got Google and Apple coming in. They've got Tesla. What's going to happen here? What's the shakeout going to be? I think that over the next several years, there's going to be less car makers. I think there's a lot of car makers. There's a lot of different car types. There's all mm-hmm. these different makes and models. And, and uh, I think that you know when you're ordering from a network, uh, a travel experience, maybe there's five different options. Maybe there's 10 different options. But today, there are thousands and thousands. And I think that doesn't, doesn't make sense in a future world where people don't own vehicles. Uh, we also saw that in the recent you know, recession in the United States when, when sales dropped, that, you know, many car companies uh, had, had trouble. And so I think companies like General Motors are in the lead and kind of putting themselves in the right position. Uh, but I think others that are kind of denying that the future is different are going to be in a difficult what position. What do you make of what Google and Apple are doing? They've so got to get into big businesses. They're growing. They have to grow. And this is a big area. You know, if you think about what is every... Every company like that is always thinking, what is the next computing platform? What is the next operating system? Right. So it's it could be VR, drones, whatever, yeah. Transportation, transportation is, I, you know, I, I would argue, is the largest, the largest market opportunity. So it, it makes complete sense that, that they're considering getting into it. I think, you know, back to the city, city comment, I think we're going to be building out a city operating system where uh, you have uh, the hardware being the vehicles, the software you know, being that network. And then, you know, the connection of, of people and, and goods within you, the city. Geeks can make anything digital. No, I'm kidding. Um, does that mean, when you're talking about car, with them in it, do you imagine Google being a car maker, Apple being a car maker, or do you just see them more in software and in systems, which is what they excel at? Although Apple is more of a device maker, isn't it? I, I see Apple as, as a car maker. Right. And Google likely, you know, staying, staying more on the software side. Right. But it'll be only white. You can only get it in white. And it'll, <laughs> it'll look pretty. Yeah. Like, do you imagine them making a car like that? What would you imagine an Apple car looks like? I'm sure it'll be, I'm sure it'll be gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. The yeah. Apple Watch. Actually, the Apple Watch is good looking. Still don't use it. But still, it's a good looking one version yeah. of that. So you think they'll be a car maker? They'll actually... Yeah, I mean, they, they might do it in, in a similar way they do their devices now, which right. is um, they, have, they design it here in California. And, but it's and sold a, as an Apple device. That's right. I, I would imagine so. So I think out further, where does that go? What does a car device look like? Because that's really what it is. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're doing you know, various exercises on this, on this now. And I think that it's really interesting and fun that you can really start over again. I think it's one way of helping kind of the design process is not calling it a car anymore. Oh, um, and it just you know if you can't call it an autonomous vehicle, that just is vomitocious. Yeah, I don't know what the right name is. Yeah. We don't, we don't, we don't do you know have what a name? That is. Not, not not really. Right. Uh, but basically, what you're trying to do is you're creating a space that helps people 
get around in a city, but because you have that 10 minutes, that 15 minutes, that 30 minutes, and if you're putting the consumer at the center of it, what experience do they want? What do they want to do for those 10 minutes, those 15 minutes? Uh, and, and those, I think, are what the, the person will be ordering. And so we've, we've talked about, you know, if you're coming home from work and you want to watch the Warriors game, you might order Sports Lift mm-hmm. uh, and get in a vehicle oh. and, and watch it with uh, yeah, other Warriors fans. Yeah. What, would you, what kind of experience Leave me alone, want? Lift. Leave me alone, Stop Lift. So you're going to have... You're going to have this private Stop experience. Stop fist bumping me, Lyft. Yeah. Do you have one of those? Because I would like one of those. Most, most Lyfts no longer fist bump. I got in a Lyft line by accident, and an Uber <laughs> by accident. And, and in, in Silicon Valley, there's a lot, in here, there's a lot of people who know Recode. And so it was all startup people who wanted to pitch me. There, It was horrible. It was like a nightmare. <laughs> we should do a Lyft line with you. And, no, thank you. <laughs> your, your worst nightmare. <laughs> yes, exactly. But so you could get in with people. This idea of ride sharing really yeah. is still there, the idea. Of, I believe so. Yeah. I, I think there's uh, efficiency. In terms, you could also eat, drink, yeah. text. Yeah, whatever. you can, like part of sports life, you can order a drink right. on your way home. Uh, and well, it's called a limousine. You know, that's, that, this is what limousines have been, really. Yeah, but, but think about, you know, you don't, the seats don't need to all be arranged facing forward. Right. You know, the, the format of the interior is, is completely different. It's right. just, a, it's just we're going to make a really comfortable space specific to what you want. Uh-huh, interesting. What else do you see with cars? Because people think Americans don't want to give up their cars. You know, that's I don't agree with that. I think owning a car is going to be like owning a horse. You know, mm-hmm. like it's a nice hobby, but yeah. and you know, you polish it and spend time with it on weekends, but I, I think people will give up their cars. Yeah, absolutely. You know, again, we believe this for a long time that the promise is so great, the freedom, but the reality is is not. And we can actually refine that actual freedom from the car by making it something you don't have to own, maintain, or park. So that has iterations. I want to talk to you about two more things before we finish. Insurance companies, gas stations, all these jobs, malls, Walmart. Yeah. It has iterations everywhere. Yeah, real estate is a really, really interesting uh-huh. part of that impact. Does that bother you? Because it really can. I think if I was Walmart, I'd be worried. It feels, feels like we, ha- we all have responsibility to make sure that we're thinking through this in, in a way that has the the largest net positive benefit to everyone here. But I think that if done correctly, the the net benefit should be really high. Yeah. Uh, you know, from a Not safety perspective. Yes. Well change change brings about different impacts yeah. for different people. We saw that we learned well, from used that. To be stables, in, right? Yeah. Too bad. Yeah. And and there you know, in the beginning, you know, we you know, seriously, you know, felt responsible for potential changes that were going to happen in the taxi industry. And so I would talk to the general managers of the the various taxi companies in San Francisco to, to hear directly from them. And and part of the, you know, the belief always had to be, I wouldn't be doing this if we didn't feel like the net impact was positive. Yeah, they probably didn't care. <laughs> it's interesting. It's so funny. You and uh, Travis are like goofus and gallant. You're not going to remember that from the thing, but like he came in and punched him in the nose and you talked to them. <laughs> and still the same result in the end. Talk about that regulatory issue because I think I want to finish up on that. How it still continues to be around contractors, around you're sided with Uber on these issues in a lot of ways where regulatory change happens. You just started to be able to operate in Las Vegas. Where is this going? Is it going to continue? And, and what's the problem from your perspective? I think the regulatory conversation is absolutely going to continue, You know, especially as you get towards this future of transportation. Part of it is because the change and yeah, the evolution is happening so quickly at a pace that is different than that of normal regulatory pace. Mm-hmm. And so that's... Well, it's a lot of resistance, it's really. There's resistance, but it's also like these, you know, three years ago, if I said to you, we're going to have people in personal vehicles sharing rides, mm-hmm. maybe not you, but most people mm-hmm. told us we were crazy. Uh, and so there's also just 
is just happening so quickly. What's going to change regulators' minds? Because they seem, I mean, especially in Europe and other places, there's a huge resistance to this. But I think in the United States, the the tide has turned, and, and this is uh, more about finding the most responsible ways to to continue this progress. But uh, in in Europe. I think that the thing that will and would change it is the citizens of Europe saying they want these services and then electing people that, that support that. Do you work with Uber closely on these things? or For certain regulatory situations, our, our teams do work together. You know, I think there's, there's an understanding of the competitive nature, but there's also an understanding of there are certain situations where we should, we should try right, to, work together. to work together. Last question. The market right now is crazy. It's downward crazy. There's been crazy valuations. Your valuation is $5.5 billion, which is bigger than some car companies, I think. How do you look at this? Are you going public? Do you feel like you can in, in this market? Or do you need to get sold? Or how do you envision Lyft in three years, say? So we're very focused on building Lyft as, as an independent company. I think we don't pay too close attention to, to day-to-day market fluctuations. I think that you know, the trend that we've seen in the three years that we've developed is that this industry is growing rapidly. And there are investors that can isolate what's happening in our world from everything that's happening outside of it. Uh, and so when you look at, you know, a total addressable market of $2 trillion a year, which is what is spent on car ownership, a lot of investors say, this is actually where I should put my money versus uh, in, in a more traditional stock play. Do you imagine you'll IPO or sell? Our, our plans right now in three are three months. By the way, you have three. You have everything you do is in every three, three months. Uh, the plan right now is to, to be an independent company. To be an independent company, yeah. and how long will that take to go public? You don't know. Don't know. And your revenues growing. You're, are you profitable yet? So what we have announced is in October of last year that we hit a, a billion dollar gross bookings run rate. That's what we've announced. Oh well, that's not an answer. <laughs> do you have a car? I do. And do you drive it? Sometimes. What kind? It's a Jetta hybrid. Yeah. And I now have a new new baby. And so uh, we need to Car build. seat. So we have the car seat. Yeah. So Congratulations. Thanks. I also sometimes drive for Lyft. I drove uh-huh. on New Year's. Really? Uh, so if you have a car, so with a car, I've been able to, to also drive on Lyft. Right. Okay. Well, John Zimmer of Lyft, thank you so much for coming in. Thanks for having me. If you enjoyed the interview as much as I did, be sure to subscribe to the show. Be the first to listen to future episodes or catch up on previous episodes, including some really fantastic interviews that Peter Kofka and I have done with Dick Costello, Katie Nolan, and BJ Novak, just to name a few, all on recode.net slash decode. And don't miss our other podcasts, Recode Replay, and our newest show, Too Embarrassed to Ask. You can find both of them on recode.net slash podcasts. One of the best ways to support our show is to help us improve All you have to do is tell us a little bit about yourself. Take a short three-minute survey at recode.net slash podcast survey and help us by sharing your opinions on this show and how you listen to podcasts in general. The better we know you, the better the show can be. Take the survey at recode.net slash podcast survey. Thanks for listening. This has been another episode of Recode Decode. Recode senior media editor Peter Kafka will be here on Thursday. Then I'll be back with Lauren Good of The Verge with our newest podcast, Too Embarrassed to Ask, this Friday, and back here on Recode Decode on Monday with another great guest. Tune in then. This has been Recode Decode, hosted by Kara Swisher, powered by digital media. For more hard-hitting interviews with insiders from the worlds of tech, media, and politics, subscribe to Recode Replay on iTunes. Featuring candid conversations with leading voices like AOL CEO Tim Armstrong, Goldman Sachs' CIO Marty Chavez, the team behind the hit TV show Empire, Shark Tank investor Mark Cuban, and presidential candidate Hillary Clinton. 
They're all on Recode Replay.